Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. I'm Melissa Lima, your North Coast and Organic Field Services representative, and this week we have a great episode on tap with some updates from Tiffany LaMandola, our economist with Blimling and Associates, and Paul Souza brings us an action-packed environmental update straight from our board meeting last week with lots of details about environmental issues that dairymen should have on their radar. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We will jump right in with Tiffany. Hi, I'm Jessica with PG&E. 811 is a free service to keep our community safe. Before you do any digging, PG&E will mark your gas and electric lines so you don't hit them. Call 811 before you dig. To learn more, visit pge.com safety. Hi folks, hope you had a great week. It's kind of a volatile one in our dairy markets. We started the week off uh, kind of losing across the board. Um, almost all commodities were lower. Uh, but thankfully, by Friday, we saw a nice uh, little rebound and block cheese clawed back up to down just a bit on the week to 179. Barrels uh, still fell short of last week. We closed at 174 and a quarter. Uh, we did lose about 40 cents on butter, but we gained uh, nickel back on, on Friday. So still at a very nice price, 254 a pound. Uh, Non-fat, we lost a penny for the week, and whey, we added four cents. So overall, um, despite all the volatility and ups and downs, we ended up in a pretty good spot. Um, It was a busy week to start off with uh, reports. We got the milk production report for December. All eyes were on cow numbers, and indeed indeed we did um, see a little more contraction in the herd, down 7,000 for the month, according to USDA. December U.S. output was down 0.1%. That was slightly below pre-report expectations, but but not by much. Um, we ended the year of 2021 with 67,000 fewer cows. Uh, the majority of those were lost in New Mexico. 45,000 of the 67,000 um, came out of that state alone. Trends in most of the regions were were similar to what we've seen. The Midwest was up 2.7%. And as of note, California was up 2.2% year over year. That's the largest gain we've seen here uh, since June. We don't get another look at milk production again now until uh, late February on the 23rd. We also got a cold storage report. Um, it was split, I would say bullish for butter. We uh, pulled down inventories during the month of December and when we typically uh, see inventories build during that month. So that was very much counter seasonal. Um, however, on cheese, uh, the report definitely leaned bearish. Over the last five years, uh, cheese inventories have uh, typically declined by about 15 million pounds from November to December. Uh, But in 2021, this year, we saw uh, volumes actually increase by 49 million pounds. So also very counter seasonal report uh, there as well. Uh, The futures curves are still at uh, very elevated levels, especially after uh, Friday's action. So please take a look at any risk management. If you haven't already, uh, happy to help. Please reach out. Thank you. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services 
tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at YosemiteFarmCredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. We are excited to welcome back to the show, Mr. Sunshine, our Director of Environmental and Regulatory Affairs, Paul Souza. Hey, Paul, how's it going? Pretty good. Yes, and the sun is shining out here uh, now. So, um, yeah, I guess that's good. Good news. Um, Paul, we like to have you on typically after our board meetings because you always bring a really good environmental update to the board. And we want to make sure that all of that information gets out to members. So we invited you today to kind of give a little update based on your report to our board at last week's meeting. And there's a lot going on in the regulatory world. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Um, it just, it doesn't seem to stop. I know it's, uh, it's a challenge. Uh, and so we're going to kind of go over, um, you know, kind of some short snippets of um, just kind of updates I gave to the board. So we're not going in depth on any one topic. We're going to kind of touch on a lot of topics and just kind of highlights uh, that the board hears these uh, meeting after meeting and just update, you know, what's happened since the last board meeting. So um, I'm going to start off uh, and we've, I think we had a podcast on this, uh, ARB uh, truck reporting, um, you know, and that deadline is coming up. This actually is very timely. Um, if you have a truck under one of those ag extensions or low use extension, you need to report your odometer reading. Uh, you need to do that by the end of January. So uh, yeah, sometimes that's they, Monday. <laughs> that's Monday. Um, sometimes they give you a couple extra days, but yep. you know when you go into February first, you are kind of playing with fire. So um, I wouldn't you know count on that. I definitely would try to get that reporting done by um, January thirty first by Monday. And I'm working with a number of members on this. Um, one thing that's it's coming into those conversations, so there's just a general reminder, if you do this, you know who you are and you know what you got to do. But I've been having quite a few conversations with members that uh, regarding the ag uh, extensions expire at the end of this year. Right. So if you've got a truck in the ag uh, mileage extension or in the ag specialty extension, and you know that's been working well from you, for you, you put five or 6,000 miles a year on it, you report it, uh, that will not go into 2023 that expires at the end of this year the only thing that's going to be left is the low use exemption but that has a limitation of a thousand miles a year and yeah. so talking to people about you know hey what do i do what do, you know what do i do with this truck what are my options um you'll be able to move it into the low use category but then you got that mileage limitation um you could buy a truck with a 2010 or newer engine um you know then it's not you know then it's compliant with the rule there you don't need to worry about reporting it but you know, that there's a big cost to that. And so um, been having a lot of discussions with members around this topic. Yeah, I, I think both you and I have talked about how over the years, 2022 seemed like a faraway deadline, but it did kind of sneak up on us. It's here. It's time to start thinking about what's going to happen at the end of the year with your truck. You can report it for this year in the, the ag exemption, but folks need to really put their thinking caps on in some cases because it may be one of those trucks that's kind of in the weird spot where it's not a bad truck it's running great but you do drive it over a thousand miles a year so we got to think about what to do with it yeah exactly so uh really been involved with that with members uh this month i you know was just on the phone um with one of our members uh helping him report uh, right before we got on to this podcast. So yeah, and I have been getting a couple of texts and calls, um, helping a few people, referring a few more people to you. They've kind of slowed down a little bit, but we really appreciate the lift you have on that this time of year, Paul. 
Yep. And I do keep a list from year to year to know the people that have trucks and that report. And then um, I remind them, I'll text them and email them and, you know, uh, making sure uh, that they do reports. So it's winding down. My list is getting very small. Most people have reported this January, okay. uh, but I, yeah, I'm still dealing with them. I've got another one. I just got off the phone with somebody and uh, last night somebody was texting me. Um, you know, they, they had some problems in the account and they needed my help. And so when we get off this, uh, I need to work on another one. <laughs> so that's it for that one. I mean, that, that just is what it is. Uh, the folks that have that know what it is. But yeah, the big conversation that I really is, you know, well, what do I do with these trucks next year? How do I manage this? That's been the yeah. big conversation this year is, is I'm helping people out. Um, the next item is um, kind of some concerns around um, environmental justice and animal rights groups um, trying to take away our markets for our biomethane that we're producing with digesters. Yeah. Um, the California Public Utilities Commission came out with this draft biomethane procurement where they're making gas utilities purchase biomethane for their pipeline to then sell to their customers like PG&E or Southern California Gas. Um, but it excludes uh, livestock and bio, uh, dairy biomethane from that. And that's concerning. Um, and that follows a petition uh, to the Air Resources Board by environmental justice groups and animal rights groups. I mean, this has nothing to do with climate change to exclude dairy and swine biomethane from the low carbon fuel standard or release, at least reduce the values. I do want to say just... Um, it was yesterday or yeah, it was yesterday, um, Air Resources Board denied that petition uh, on removing dairy and swine from the LCFS. Uh, but, you know, it's they, they, they're not giving up and they keep going. This isn't a climate change issue. These groups are not interested in climate right. change. What the Air Resources Board is doing is good for climate change. Yeah. Um, these groups want to see us not be able to meet our targets. We have legislative targets to reduce our methane or manure methane by 40% by 2030. And really the interest of these groups is to make sure we don't, we don't do that and we don't hit our targets and then we find ourselves in a tough spot. Sure, and we've talked about this in other topics over the years. It, they These types of environmental justice or animal rights groups complain about an issue or bring up an issue that's ongoing. We find a way to solve it or do better or in, in this case, do a really good um, practices to reduce methane and to put it into useful, you know, make it useful, I guess. And um, now they don't like that. So we we are never going to please some groups, but I think the the nice thing is we're we know we're doing something really good for the climate and the environment in this. And it, it's obvious, hopefully, that the Air Resources Board recognizes that now and hopefully continues to recognize it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, anytime the dairy industry starts to solve one of our issues, even if it's good for everyone, it's a win-win-win situation, uh, these groups will be opposed to it because they don't want to see us solving our issues. They want us to be, you that know, caught in that rock in a hard place situation. So I completely agree with you. The next thing I uh, brought up to the board was um, kind of a, a prelude of um, enteric methane discussions. I, I, you know, I'm seeing talk on enteric methane showing up in, um, in mainstream media, things that you know wouldn't normally be talking about cows and cow burps. Yeah. Uh, since uh, COP26, uh, we're seeing potential legislation. We're talking to folks that are um, drawing up legislation on enteric methane. Uh, you've got those continued market drivers from our co-ops and the, the people that buy our milk are pressured to reduce the carbon footprint of their products. And so they're going back to the farm 
it was just kind of letting our, um, you know, our members know, our, our board members, you know, hey, this is something we're going to be talking more about. We're going to be talking about in legislation. Um, you know, who knows where it's going to be coming from, but um, just our members in general should be prepared for a conversation on enteric methane. And um, Anya asked me to draw up some talking points for this, and I couldn't think of better talking points than what's in the legislation, SB 1383, right. that requires us to reduce our methane. In that, and I'll just, I, I kind of paraphrased it, but um, in that legislation, it basically says that enteric emissions shall be achieved only through incentives until a cost-effective, scientifically proven method is available that will not damage animal health, public health, or consumer acceptance. So we have a mandate to reduce methane in general, specifically from manure, but this is relating to enteric and it's gotta be voluntary. You gotta have a, you know, a method that's effective and safe. And there is, a, there is no method at this point for enteric right. that is approved um, that has gone through these hoops. And so, you know, we're not, it's not us saying it. We can point back to the legislation and say, hey, this is what the legislation says. We gotta get over these uh, hoops before uh, we can move on with this. Sure. No more putting the cart before the horse. I think we do that too much in California and it doesn't make sense a lot of times. And this is certainly one of those situations. This is definitely one where I am hearing a lot of put the cart before the horse yeah. from people that are driving this issue, uh, not from the dairy industry, but outside um, that are, you know, if there's a feed additive and it needs to go through FDA approval, I'm having conversations with people like we can't wait for FDA. You know, we need to start feeding this tomorrow. We'll worry about FDA catching up later. Well, there's a reason there's the FDA. You know, you yeah. don't want to be feeding things that, you know, are not safe for the animals or for consumers. And um, there's a process that you've got to follow. Um, so a big drive, just kind of, you know, be aware. Um, you will be hearing more about enteric methane emissions uh, this coming year and in the next year, I'm, I'm sure of it. Okay. Any, any last words, Paul? I know um, you have a few more things on your list there that we talked about. Yep. Yeah, so uh, another one was the uh, Legislative Analyst's Office did a review of CDFA's Climate Smart programs as part of something they do on an annual basis. They review some, you know, climate program to see if it's uh, doing its job. Uh, this year, they picked the, the Climate Smart programs from CDFA. Uh, they had a couple of things to say um, on digesters. They're claiming that not all emission reductions um, are, you know, the accounting is not uh, being done properly on digesters. And the issue is you're getting funding from multiple sources, but CDFA is claiming all the reductions in their program. But if the funding was only half from CDFA, what this is saying is that, you know, CDFA shouldn't claim all the reductions from that. And that was just updating, uh, the recommendation was to update the accounting tools for that. For AMP, there was a concern about they may not be getting the emission reductions because the projects may not be operated as they were proposed in the application. And the recommendation there was more oversight by CDFA. Overall, not you know big negatives, and actually you know some positives here. Yeah. Uh, change the accounting on digesters. That's you know that's with ARB and their accounting. Not anything that dairies are doing. Those projects are working out great, as we talked about earlier, in achieving our goals. For sure. Um, I uh, commented on uh, we got an AMP um, you know process coming up here pretty soon. I submitted a comment letter to CDFA on. Uh, that program, you know, mostly saying, hey, it's working great, keep it yeah. going. Um, and that comment letter, uh, I shared it with the board that they can see it. Um, we also, Western got a grant from CDFA to help. We were talking about AMP and there should be an AMP uh, application being rolled out here very soon in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Western got a grant to help dairies uh, fill out those applications. They're very complex. 
I met with a dairy this morning, went over, you know, what's in the application, what does it look like? Um, and so, you know, it just um, helps us out in being able to provide that service uh, and help dairies with those applications. And then you, Melissa, are a part of that. You're going to be helping me out along with Darby. And so we have quite a few dairies that are interested both here and in the Valley. So we're looking towards a, a kind of a busy March, I think if, if this gets released when we think it will, but I'm excited because I think I, as far as I've seen on the projects that are in or going in right now, they make a huge difference on these dairies, not just in methane reduction, but they, they're usually practices that really help make things a little easier on the farm too. So that's, it's so, exciting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, the thing that I, I, we've said it before is to start early. Um, you know, it, you have a little bit of a head start before applications get released, but there's certain things we know have to be done. You have to pick out your project. You have to pick out, you know, what model or, you know, what piece of equipment you're going to get. Where is it going to go on the dairy? So you should get a design and bids. Um, you know, it's already getting kind of late for that, actually. But if you haven't done that yet, that's definitely the first step uh, in getting started with that. And then let us know. Uh, if you're interested in our help. Awesome. Uh, I do have a couple more items. Um, and that is, um, I'm working in a process with CDFA, the Manure Recycling and Innovative Products Task Force. Uh, we're working towards recommendations to CDFA to help advance uh, nutrient management for water quality and climate change benefits. Um, it, you know, we're trying to get funding and trying to get, you know, like pilot projects or studies of these things. Um, to move some of these newer technologies yep. or some of these are, you know, conventional strategies that every dairy uses, but trying to expand that a little bit more. Is there a way to use that and trying to improve nutrient management, really going after water quality here, but, you know, seeing where we can get those climate change benefits if we yeah. can. Um, get all the, all the nails on all the heads if we can. Yep. For sure. yep. And uh, rendering, I kind of gave an update to the board. Um, it's a very slow moving topic. Yeah. Um, CDFA is working to um, have alternatives when rendering is not available. Uh, and they are moving on that, but it's, uh, I mean, it, it's something that moves like molasses in January. I've been and, working on this for years and, yeah. you know, they're meeting with all the agencies. So the water board has something to say, Cal Recycle has something to say, the air board has something to say. Um, and it, it just, it makes it very difficult to, you know, get solutions that you would think would be pretty straightforward. Uh, and in the meantime, you know, the rendering plant breaks down and there's a cow on the dairy. You got to do something with it. You can't wait uh, for government speed to solve that problem. Sure. And, so, and I think we've gone in like eyes wide open knowing this would be a lengthy process, but I don't know if anybody knew it would be this lengthy. Like you said, it seems yeah. like common sense solutions are hard to get lately. Yep. And then my last item, um, just bringing up the State Water Resources Control Board's review of the uh, dairy uh, order in the Central Valley. The issue here is that the State Water Board is reviewing a petition by environmental justice groups um, that's been sitting on their desk for a while. And whatever they put forward is going to be precedent setting to the Central Valley Water Board. They will have to address those issues in their permit. Uh, a co big concern I have is that it could be precedential to the North Coast and uh, Bay Area region also. Any dare, any, uh, region writing a permit for dairy would have to follow the things that the state water board is saying. And, you know, you and I have talked, Melissa, I, I'm concerned that the things that are being done for the Central Valley would not be right for the North Coast. Right. And yeah. so, um, you know, kind of following that, concerned with what may come out of that. Um, they toured a dairy, a dairy recently, and I was there for that. Um, you know, 
boy, it's it, the thing that's scary is these folks really don't have good knowledge of dairy. We toured this dairy. Uh, it was the first time for many of those folks ever setting foot on a dairy, and yet they are writing policy that will affect dairy regulations uh, and costs for dairies in a big way uh, going forward. So um, it's an important process. Uh, we're trying to, to stay engaged on that, uh, but that just you know be aware that that is something that's happening and we're doing our best to try to come up with something that you know protects water quality. We get that, but it has to be doable. It, you know you can't dream something up that dairies can't do, put it in a permit and then say, well, you're out of compliance. Yeah. Um, you know, you can write a permit that I have to levitate, but if that's not possible, I'm going to be in violation of that permit. It doesn't yeah. make any sense because nobody wins in that case. Absolutely. And I think we've always seemed to maintain a decent partnership with both regional and state water board on things like let's not make it cost prohibitive. Let's keep these guys in business. And I hope this is the same, but it just gets tougher and tougher in the state's regulatory climate. So we're glad you're working on that, Paul, and all these issues. Um, we really appreciate you joining us today. I know it's a chunk of time out of your Friday, but it's always good for our members to hear it straight from Mr. Sunshine himself. And we laugh a little about that nickname, but seriously, Paul, we in this industry owe a lot to you and the time you take to carefully consider and craft comments and whatnot to all of these things that may seem small in some cases, but a lot of this stuff makes a big deal on individual farms. And there's a lot of challenges. I mean, I just, you know, went through a list of the things I'm dealing with and, it, you know, it's coming from air, it's coming from water, um, it's coming from everywhere. And I, you know, our members have to deal with these things. Um, you know, we, we got to try, as I said, um, to, you know, get these regulations to a place where they achieve the goals they're after, but in a way that we can uh, achieve them and meet them. So yes. um, that was my summary. Thank you for having me on again. It's yeah, it's great to update our members and let them know what's going on. Um, and always uh, happy to be back. Awesome. Thanks for being here, Paul. And we'll uh, hit you back shortly. I'm sure maybe we'll talk a little more. We've talked about AMP with a producer who's in the middle of implementing a project, but we'll probably talk more about that as it gets closer and what members maybe need to do as far as a checklist before they even think about applying. So yep. that is the so next big time. thing. Yeah. As far as my time, um, yep. I, I anticipate when they release those applications. And like I said, I'm already, I met with the dairy this morning. Um, I, that's already starting to take up some of my time, but um, that's going to take up a lot more of my time here in the near future. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks, Paul. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with water board regulations. Our proven above ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. Thanks again for joining us for this week's episode of Seen and Heard. Remember that you can rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope you will do so. We also welcome comments, content requests, and questions about things you've heard on the podcast. Please shoot those to mlema at wudairies.com or darby at wudairies.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We want to give a big shout out to Tiffany LaMandola, our awesome economist, and Mr. Sunshine himself, Paul Souza. Thanks. Have a great week, everyone. 
While West United Dairies respects the varied views of our podcast guests, please know that views expressed on Seen and Heard may not necessarily reflect the positions of the West United Dairies Board of Directors. Thank you to Western United Dairies generous business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, Farm Credit Alliance, FNR Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, Bennett Environmental, PG&E, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. That's info at wudairies.com. Thank you.